bonus. Bonus. Episode. The big bonus. Episode. Bonus means extra. Matt and Alex. Bonus. Episode. Well, Meadowkind, this is quite exciting. A little uh, bonus episode here of Matt and Alex's All Day Breakfast. Yeah, that's right. It's brought to you by Koala for every home among the gum trees. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different. This segment is all about comfy couches, uncomfy topics with your boys, Matt and Alex. Yes, that's right. We've got an incredible lineup of guests who are going to be joining us for these little segments. And we're going to be asking them questions that potentially we wouldn't really get to in a standard Matt and Alex episode. Some questions that, you know, could go go to the depth of who people are, some lived experience and some topics that, yeah, just make you... Uh, get a little bit awkward sometimes, but... We're putting on the uh, scuba gear, going for a deep dive into the uh, incredible lived experiences, cultures, and background of these amazing guests. And today, Alex Dyson, we've got a very special person indeed. That's right. He's an award-winning comedian. He's performed at the Edinburgh Fringe. He's performed in LA. He's performed on Conan O'Brien in the States, and he can sew a mean bow tie as well. It's Reese Nicholson. Oh, hi, boys. Look at us. Look at us all here having a chat. How are you, my friends? Good. I feel very natural. We've been in lockdown for so long. Podcasts are the only way that I interact with people. So this is <laughs> this is this is the best part of my day. That's why you started your own and put it up. Um, simply marvelous. You haven't simply marvelous. Like me, haven't seen many of the Marvel movies, so you're watching them and commenting on them. Well, this is the shock of that podcast, though. You'd see. So Georgia Mooney, uh, Kyron Wheatley, uh, my housemate. Uh, and and me watching all the Marvel movies. I'm the one, though, that knows the most. I have seen all the Marvel movies. Right. I was the one. I love a Marvel movie. I've got this, like, I don't want to, I think I've got, like, a surprise. Nerd isn't the right word, but I love, like, comic books and all that kind of stuff. But also, uh, you know, actually, it makes sense. I've got dyed hair. It's all starting (laughs) to piece together. You do have. I'm a couple of weeks off wearing a cape. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you do. Well, I was going to say, with the red hair and everything like that, sometimes you wear glasses, you are a few question marks away from being the Riddler, honestly. A, yeah, <laughs> you are a very Jim Carrey yeah. Riddler-esque physique. Or I'm like, I'm a gritty reboot of Archie. <laughs> Has there, actually, exactly okay, so right. this lawns into, I mean, we, we, we're, we're having uh, some, you know, uncomfy conversations at the moment, mm. you know, it's talking about some uncomfy topics. We like, we like to try and get real. In this segment, so uh, that leads me to the first question. You have, you know, you say you're a big fan of um, of comic book characters, etc. You know, growing up, um, but you are also gay. And so, are there any gay oh, no, comic? Are there any gay comic book characters that you know? Or was there anything like that that you could relate to growing up? Not really. Like in, I think in more uh, the kind of late 90s, early 2000s, they would, like, in retrospect, you know, like, they like they do it a lot these days with reboots where they're like, oh, yeah, and she was queer. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many authors are starting to put that in, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah, JK, uh, ironically, is big for it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, really support for one community, not so much for the other. Um, but, uh, no, not really. Like, I think I had things that, like, I've... We've known each other, the three of us have known each other for a long time. I've always been very camp and I think I kind of, they were my references, like very camp kind of uh, almost like Monty Python-y kinds of things, like that kind of really over the top. That to me was like, oh, that's, I remember seeing Priscilla far too early and I saw Priscilla <laughs> and the Rocky Horror way too early and was like, oh, I, um, 
I, I reckon I'm that. Whatever that is, I'm probably that. And so sure. for a while, Tim I um, played ping pong. That was a big interest <laughs> for me. Well, it's, it's quite incredible because we haven't known each other for a long time. And our generation, I think, has, you know, the span of how homosexuality is looked at has just has mm. gone from, I guess, when we were entering high school to to now, it's gone from it being such a taboo thing to to the point where Reese, you voiced uh, a character on a Maya ad yeah. <laughs> and got accused of being homophobic because you were camping up its voice too much but it was just your voice it was so- just my voice i had i had to get my publicist to tell a reporter like yeah let's okay so what happened was i was voicing a Maya ad it saved christmas four years in a row uh and then um love product placement mad for it guys offer me more and then uh, I, I voiced a little reindeer. It was cute. Uh, and it also, the ad, it what, didn't go viral, but it was quite, it, it was at a lot of movies, cinemas and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I remember a few gay presses wrote articles. One particular one said that uh, Meyer is homophobic and that uh, it, it, the ad was a negative portrayal of a gay man. And I had to get my publicist to tell them, no, that's just his voice. Uh, that is how he exists and lives his life. But I think, I think you're right though. There has been a big change even since I started comedy. I've been doing comedy for 11 years and uh, you know, Matt and I used to perform at the comedy store a lot, like in the early days. And it was in the early days, it, would, it wasn't rough, but it was like, we, it wouldn't be very full in Sydney and, there would sometimes be like drunk groups of people and there were times that people would yell faggot at me like when I walked out on stage. Jesus. And like a, a couple times, like not, mm. you know, and like in a, with a fun vibe. <laughs> uh, but And there, it, it was also this kind of weird thing and I think a lot of minorities in comedy have to do it where you kind of point out the thing that you are in the first minute because mm-hmm. you have this weird thing as if the audience is going to panic if you, as if they're like, well, I don't think he knows that he's that thing. <laughs> and we better let him know. Uh, and yeah, I don't know what it was like for you, Matt. Like, I, I don't know what it was like in early Brisbane days. Oh, man, it was exactly the same. 2004, Brizzy, of course. That was the first thing I joked about for for years in my gigs, you know, the first jokes yeah, I would make every gay. time I walked on yeah. stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 so like you know you just you, you do you go look let's get it out of the way that's the mentality let's get it out of the way so you and it is a defense mechanism don't you think yeah so you say you yeah, can't so absolutely. you can't hurt me it's that it's the classic it's the cliche of you know uh so that, say what the bully was going to say before you can mm. but i i would say before they can i would say i don't think it's not like it's easier these days i don't like i definitely don't think it is there's still plenty of issues but I notice the young queer comics don't have to do that as much. Mm. Like I think there is almost a, an expectation from the audience these days, oh, we're going to see something different at this show. It's not going to be uh, 10 straight white men in plaid shirts in a row. We're mm. going to see different things. And I think e- even within the last decade that has changed. Not to say, oh, there's plenty of problems. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, did you do that, I guess, before you got into comedy and you'd get out on stage and you'd say something like that? What was your defense mechanism uh, in high school when when these running. sort of things weren't talked about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> athletics, um. athletics, very very fit. Um, no, and I was I was pretty badly bullied. I was bullied even I uh, I, I went to a performing arts school and I was even bullied in the performing arts school. So if that gives you any idea. Um, <laughs> 
Perhaps I perhaps I asked for it. <laughs> um, no, the yeah, I I definitely think I tried to do that thing that I think a lot of people do when you're bullied. Where you, I, I was lucky that I have very supportive parents, and they were really good at the kind of like, well, you know, it's their loss. And I did. I think I grew into. I grew up with parents that didn't um, treat us like kids necessarily if that mm. makes sense. So, like, our references were, like, the fact that I saw Priscilla and, and Rocky Horror kind of early meant that my references were kind of off by the time I was in early high school. And I was lucky that by the time I was in late high school, everything kind of evened out and people kind of understood me a bit more. And I think that's what things like, you know, the It Gets Better campaign and stuff like that, like, if if someone had of if that wasn't around then, and if mm. someone had have been like, hey, just so you know, this is going to even out. Like at some point for every single person, it's going to even out. Mm-hmm. I was pretty lucky that I got told that pretty early. Mm. So talking about the early days, um, and, you know, you saw references on things like Priscilla, Rocky Horror. When was the first f- moment that you realized that you were gay? And who was the first person you told? Oh. I think I, um, I mean, I, I've always pretty much been like this. And it's funny, you can see it now. Sometimes I see, you, like, I'll meet teenagers after shows that have brought their mums. I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you told her you were here to study, study this for English. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I was pretty young. Like, I was, like, early teens when I kind of started to think, like, oh, maybe. And then I think I might have told my friend, Lani, uh, who has come up in a lot of my material over the years, she was there during a lot of uh, pivotal moments. Um, I mean, that's a big thing to tell. Like, I mean, in high school you realise every piece of information is is a, yeah. a hand grenade that you're giving to someone, that you're basically no saying, one was please. To be, no one was to be trusted in those days. <laughs> no, no one was course. to be, like. Yeah. Absolutely. The, so what, yeah. I don't know how people, do, I, I have no idea. My mum is a principal and I, and she doesn't tell me specific things, but I have no idea how kids these days, like with phones and stuff, we didn't have phones like mm-hmm. all in the same way. So if you told someone a secret, that was the end of it. They were, or like, you know, like they held it in their brain and there was no way for proof. But these <laughs> days there's proof that everyone's got their own little CSI walking around with them. DMs, there's receipts, yeah. boys. There's receipts. Yeah. <laughs> I told her, I remember this very vividly, I was on Newcastle Beach and I told her that I think I was bisexual. I think that's what I told her, which um, bisexuality is a very, very real thing, but it is also a thing that uh, sometimes gay men use as a transitional period. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows why? I think it's because it's, I remember it was easier to admit to myself, I think, which is that interesting mm. kind of middle Australia view of things, a middle everywhere view of things that's like, well, you know, occasionally it'll be with a bloke, but mostly don't worry about it. <laughs> There's still women involved. <laughs> don't worry. The search history isn't 100%. <laughs> sure. You throw, um, throw a few in to throw them off the scent. <laughs> Yeah, just type yeah. And boobs look, I, for a bit, just to uh, you know. Don't worry, boy. Yeah, Have a look at this, boobs, just to flush so, out the search history, and then, then yeah. yeah, boobs, and then occasionally, just let's let's occasionally look at yeah. Um, <laughs> let's look at some threesomes, <laughs> two guys. That sounds great. <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah, I told her that, and 
I don't know if she'll ever hear this, but she did not keep it a secret. She absolutely did not. Really? She told heaps of people. Yeah. Oh, and how yeah, do you yeah. feel about that? Is that, I mean, oh, obviously a- you've been friends and stuff like that, and it is to be, it's not to be expected, but looking back on it, is it kind of frustrating? Absolutely. I was furious. <laughs> and look, I, I, you know, it was also, who's to know if I would have done exactly the same thing? I think mm. it was because she knew by this point, I was probably 14 or 15. She knew that everyone knew anyway. And to her, if like, you know, I can look at it in retrospect. It's like, you know, she might have been trying to help, like was kind mm. of like, this isn't going to be a problem because it wasn't. No one in my life had a problem with it. It, it. I was very, very, very lucky in that way that I, you know, I used to say like I, when I told people I was very like, you know, and this is this dark secret about myself. And mm. then people would go, yeah, I know. Mm. What do you mean? Mm. And, I didn't and know with, that this had, was a secret. Were there other people around you that had, had, had you know, come out? Like, I think around the time there was about four of us in my grade that we all kind of came out around the same time. And it's funny because none of us, uh, none of us were like into each other. So it was a real <laughs> nightmare. That's the thing because I think, and I'm it's sure like, you've experienced it before. Reese, yeah. it's like that person's gay. That person's also gay. They should hook yeah. up. It's just you yeah, just yeah. automatically assume that you have any sort of attraction just for the mere yeah. fact that you are. Yeah, I mean, it's a, have that it's a bit of a cliche, but it's it's the old like you know if I was to say to you guys like, oh, you guys are straight. You should meet my friend Trent. He's straight. You guys, do you know each other? Do you know each other? I love you guys with your harsh fabrics and your violence. Um. Yeah, and none of us really, but we we did kind of make a little kind of, there was a not a club, but it was this kind of enemy friend club of like, you know, and we would kind of gossip about people that we thought. And it was, it, I, you know, I, I think it wasn't until I left school, and I think this is pretty indicative for most queer people and maybe even lots of people in minorities. It's not until you leave school and you realise that the friends you made in school are great and they're important but they're not, you. Re- sometimes you're only friends with them because you're in school. Mm. <laughs> and then I Protection left school and almost. moved to Sydney. Mm. Yeah. And then I moved to Sydney when I was uh, 18 and was like, oh, no, this is it. Like the mm. I, I found only once I moved do I have friends that I still, like I'm not really, I'm not close with many of my school friends anymore. And mm. nothing that I did, nothing that they did, it just kind of, and I think that's a good thing to understand. Like, you know, you can love your friends, but if if it's not working anymore, don't worry about it. Yeah. Move to another city. Start again. Get a new name. <laughs> Take a life. No. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I was about to say exactly, but you got it that much, so I won't say that. But, um, Bruce Nichols, we have, like, we're chatting about coming out now, and um, I could be totally wrong on this, but I feel that, you know, in the past, that, that as Matt said, makes it seem as if that there is some sort of deep dark secret and you're you're confessing yeah. some sort of wrong that you have done but i feel the world's moving in such a way where that doesn't represent the the way that people grow up anymore and there's no secret in that term it just happens and that's the way the way things are, are you, do you get that sense that young people uh, aren't treating something rightfully are rightfully not treating something as as a secret or something to be hidden until you decide to release it i think like the the big thing about coming out is like, do it if you feel safe. Like that's mm. always, I get a lot of uh, people, uh, young, younger people message me <laughs> and sometimes, and I think this happens for a lot of kind of uh, queer people in comedy and generally public eye kind of, you get people 
in like country towns, quite panicked messages. And it, you can be like, I always say, come out if you feel safe. If you like, it's not your obligation to come out either. Mm. Like it's not, it, it, you should only come out for yourself, not for other people, which also I think means if you feel like someone is, isn't going to love you as much or like you as much by you coming out, that is 100% their shit. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, that's not you. Like that that's their problem. Yeah, 100%. But then, you know, discussing discrimination against um, gay people or in the queer community, um, I'm intrigued to know your stance on the opposite because I've seen a lot of, you know, stories and heard a lot of accounts that there seems to be on like, apps like Grinder and stuff, the prominence of like racism within those apps. Oh, you yeah. Know? And and what how does that, like, what's your stance on that? I mean, is it just openly talked about? Is it discussed with, with you know, within the community? No, and I, I really think it should be. I've often thought, uh, and this is a broad generalisation, uh, so what a good way to talk about stereotypes. <laughs> um <laughs> What an appropriate way to talk about it. But I, I think there is a interesting subset within, uh, like, generally speaking, gay men of a certain age are some of the most racist people I've ever met in my life. Really? <laughs> and this yeah, is a wow. very, this is a very, again, I'm talking very broadly, but for me, I think, it, you know, when you, I, I have been in a relationship for 10 years, so I, I haven't been on Grinder in a very long time, <laughs> but I do remember seeing things that would say, they would say things like no rice or spice. And that means mm. no Asian people or no um, East Asia. Yeah. Like just the most bizarre. Um, mm. Sort of rules. Like, just almost, like nut. We don't, we're not, rules, we're not yeah. into that. Mm. And to me, like, if you're coming from a place of being a minority, why would you say something? Like, you understand the feeling. Mm. You understand <laughs> what it's like to, to mm. be vilified. What is the point of this? And I think it's the thing that we're only really talking about now. Like, mm. I think I don't know what there is to do about it other than education. I think they think it's not racism. Mm. I think they think it's preference. And uh, part of this, and this is not... Uh, this is not, uh, this is me maybe trying to understand it, is that I think the queer community has, uh, they, they've been pushed into a position where sex comes into a lot of it, like, mm. you know, grinder and all those types of things. And so they, they, someone saying no rice or spice, which is such a, the more you say it, the more you realise just how brutal it is mm. and weird mm. it is and, like, that kind of weirdness you get when someone's uh, tried to make a fun little joke, like they've like it's they've made they've tried to like make it lighter, like as if they think it's not racist to be like, no, it's not. I'm not racist. I'm just saying this is a sexual preference that I have. <laughs> but but you know what? To say it blatantly like that, everyone everyone has different preferences on what they they're attracted to and, and totally. stuff like that. Mm. But what putting it in a bio or a situation like that does is make the person who's who has no interaction with you, no direct mm -hmm. contact, who's just swiping along, sees it and makes them mm -hmm. feel mm. less valuable and less wanted. And you just didn't need to do that. You could just ignore their message or ignore it's their swipe or whatever. It's someone shouting at them from a car. Yeah, like exactly. It's, it's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. It's like just, it's, it's really, it's really just, scrolling, scrolling. Oh, 
Ugh. Yeah, it's oh, like, I'm bad. Know, I don't like people. Don't like me. And like, why would you do that? But mm. do you find that it's just race? Do you find that there's also um, is there uh, a sort of discrimination against other people within the queer community? Like, um, absolutely. Yeah, like Pre- so. Um, gender, gender fluid, gender like. Uh, I am engaged to uh, a bisexual man. And this is, you know, the least of our problems. But, like, there's, like, an interesting thing of, like, bi erasure where it's just a very easy thing to say. And I used to say it when I was, like, a early 20s, like, to be like, ah, well, bisexuality doesn't exist. It's just, it's like, stop sitting on the fence. And mm. and I think the more you think about it, I I reckon everyone, I mean, I reckon everyone's a little bit, like at least everyone's everyone's had a thought. Everyone's had yeah. a. It's just some of us. Some of some people committed to it. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think that is even being bisexual is quite like a, a strange subset of people within the queer community are like angry that bisexuals think that they exist and how dare they? Like you're either gay or you're a lesbian uh, or you're straight. Those are the options. And I think it's the same as uh, it's always interesting to me when you see community turning on community, whether it be uh, uh, that fun subset of feminists against trans women uh, or, you know, gay gay men uh, and queer yeah. women against trans people. It happens in race all the time as well, you know, and then there's like, a, there's like an argument about who's the more oppressed and stuff and it's like, it just turns, it's weird. It's really yeah. strange. Yeah, it's such an... Like, guys, we're all oppressed. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's just really interesting. And when some people think that they can, someone, I saw someone being racist on, the, on Twitter recently and I called him out on it and he goes, I don't think you need yeah. to lecture me about racism because I'm Jewish. And I was like, I, I don't think that that means anything. You know what I mean? Like it just no, that doesn't cancel anything that's out. The same. <laughs> so People it was just weird. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Finding the middle ground of, uh, you know, because we're always told to. Oh, well, I was about to say run your own race, but that feels like the wrong word <laughs> at the moment. Um, but to, to, you know. And we're always told, run your own uh, race. Run your own race. <laughs> My mum was always saying, stick to the one race. <laughs> um, no. But the, uh, you're, we're always kind of told to, you know, whatever is happening in your life, like, you know, run your own race, don't compare yourself to others. But at the same time, sometimes you kind of do need to compare yourself to others to understand where you sit in the world. You know, the, the, you can find out how much uh, privilege you have by comparing yourself to others. Like that is, mm-hmm. a, I think, a really important thing to do. If you're a straight white man in his 40s, please compare yourself to others and see where you stand <laughs> and maybe shut up for a bit. <laughs> Well, well, Reese, I want to ask you about uh, your own discomforts because I've been to many of your comedy shows. They're absolutely hilarious, but also mm. have given me some of the most uncomfortable moments of my life, given your mm. turn of phrase, your, we your also willingness. We lived together for a couple of years. We so. did. Uh, your willingness <laughs> to, to, you know, ju- tread places where others haven't. That's what made you so successful as well, uh, as alongside hilarious. But with that in mind and, and being so open to be able to uh, say some things like that, what makes you uncomfortable? Oh. Um, what situations, what topics, what... I mean, I'm a very anxious person, so I have lots of... It's more kind of um, interpersonal relationship kind of uh, it makes me very uncomfortable. Like the... Uh, like, 
I shouldn't, I, this is not a thing I should say, but like <laughs> vulnerability, open vulnerability sometimes <laughs> makes me very scared. Uh, people who very, very confidently use public bathrooms loudly. Um, that makes me uncomfortable. Uh, as someone with a with a bad gut, it is bad news. Um, the- Are you someone who has to go home to go to the toilet? You can't you can't go out. Public toilets make you oh, uncomfortable. Oh yeah, no, I'm a I'm at home or a Qantas lounge. There's two places anywhere with. The only places I can go is uh, ceiling to floor doors. Yeah, that, like a yeah. Thick. Oh, I hate the little cracks. Sometimes you go to some place, oh, the cracks. Yeah. I mean, the, you, you can see you yeah. can slide two pieces. It's a glory hole at a certain that. point. It's a glory hole. <laughs> Reese Nicholson, it's such a great pleasure chatting with you as always. I mean, we haven't been able to chat very much over the last couple of uh, no. months, so it's oh, really nice. To, me and Reese to... have. We've, Why? What happened? We've yeah. tried to... <laughs> Did something happen? We've, we've tried to open a comedy club been many together. Gigs and lately. It, uh... Have you had many gigs? <laughs> Not so, too much. Um, how'd you get that? Um, so yeah, no, really, honestly, it's been uh, awesome to chat, and thank you so much for joining us on Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. We really appreciate it, and hopefully, we'll see you again soon. Bye, boys. What a great podcast this is. Whatever this one is. <laughs> <laughs>